Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. All right, the big game is coming up, and Podcast One wants to be sure you're ready for the action. For all the NFL and sports coverage you need, make sure to check out the Dan Patrick Show, the Rich Eisen Show, Ross Tucker's Football Podcast, and the rest of Podcast One Sportsnet. We've got the biggest guests, the best commentary, and everything in between. Be sure to subscribe to these shows and more on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcasts so you can get your new episodes every week. Alrighty, we are live, sort of, kind of, we're alive, mm-hmm. and we're on uh, Radio Row in Miami. We're wearing different things than we do in the interview, yep. which won't matter. The interviews are still good. You go from t-shirt to button-up, and I go from button-up to t-shirt, so it's sort of like a... Bounces itself out. Yeah, balance. We never want to be too too formal or well, Balance too matters more sometimes than winning, I've it's heard true. today. It's very week. true. So we have uh, Kevin Clark coming up. That was an awesome interview. We have... Sage Rosenfels talking. Uh, he played for Kyle Shanahan. Talks a lot about that scheme. We preview the game with Kevin Clark. It's a lot of fun. He was fantastic. And then uh, we'll come back at the end for a little bit of our final thoughts, a few props, and uh, yeah, that's going to be the show. Anything else you'd like to add? No, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, those were great interviews to tape. So let's get. To, we'll get to the first interview in a second. Before we do, it's important that we talk about our buddies at Proper Cloth. So you have Steve was on here wearing a Proper Cloth shirt. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get Steve to fit into anything. Mm-hmm. Steve was able to fit into a Proper Cloth shirt, and the reason is they ask you what your dimensions are, so they can make a shirt that's perfect for now you. If you have seven feet long arms. They, they can accommodate. They you. can accommodate you. So they basically take ten questions. Takes. 30 seconds, two minutes, whatever it is, and then all of a sudden you have a custom fit shirt and it's made out of the best material you can possibly find and it's highly customizable. There are 30 different style points to get you exactly what you want. Left cuff can be bigger, right pocket can be smaller, whatever you want, they can make it happen. Go to propercloth.com slash PFF and enter gift code PFF20 to save $20 on your first shirt. You just walked by. I mean, what did folks like Rob Ryan do before, before Proper, Proper cloth? cloth? Yeah, I have no idea. I can't even find a shirt that fits me, and Proper Cloth has solved all my problems. Yeah. So I, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, we see we see uh, testimonials walking around this entire place today. Really is Proper Cloth. All right, Kevin Clark. All right, joining us now is uh, kind of a famous guy. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I watch, you guys are the famous. Ones. I watch no. Slow News Day like it's gospel. I look forward to that. Well, the, all of my takes, pod. Video writing—they all originate with you two. Wow! And I met—I met him for the first time in in person yesterday. Or I'm sorry, last week at the AFC Championship game, and I introduced him and said, "If you ever want to rip somebody off, just this Twitter feed right here." And I, was, <laughs> I say, both you guys. If you want a Twitter feed full of bad just, jokes, just yeah, rip me just, off. <laughs> just data, data, data. I appreciate that. Well, yeah. welcome on. Um, who's on uh, the docket for the the slow news day? So we week? we filmed Nick Wright earlier today. Okay. Uh, we had some great Kansas City takes. He is a Kansas City enthusiast. We've got NFL players coming up on Thursday or Friday. Um, no big deal. Exact schedule TBD. We have some. Uh, Hollywood Notables coming up on Slow News Day on Thursday. Nice. That's we'll we'll leave that a little bit mysterious. B list, C list, like A list. Uh, 
A list. Oh nice. wow! So you pulled in. Uh, a, a, so you pulled a, a little uh, Bill Simmons action. I, you know, like, a, a, I don't want to judge it, but I mean, these are these are these are okay. these are guys. Wow! Now I'm really excited. These are guys. Like, yeah, not like I didn't get Tom Hanks. Okay, but we're talking a pretty good celebrity. Like, are they, two, are they two pretty good among among the the chief celebrities? Right, that we we see. All it was the not. Time. It was okay. not. No, no, no. I thought we saw Paul Rudd in the locker room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that I don't think Paul Rudd's doing radio. Well. How how, I, how funny was his banging of that of the drum at the Chiefs game? He literally looked like he had been outside for three and a half minutes prior, right? He like had yeah. the jeans and like no jacket, and he's maybe like doing half of the the, the actual swing there. I thought he was there. pretty enthusiastic. Okay. I think he's got like a nice kind of Will Ferrell esque career ahead of him. As really, like okay. a funny Paul fan. Rudd as a funny okay. fan who's oh, okay. doing bits. You know, like, because that's the thing with Farrell is, like, sometimes you look over at a Lakers game and he's, like, wearing a security jacket. And you're like, where's <laughs> right. Farrell going with this? And I think Paul Rudd is capable of that if he wants to stick it out. Whereas and Rob Lowe is just wearing NFL Where He's just hats. wearing NFL stuff, yeah. yeah. We have, um, they haven't come in yet, but we have PFF logo hats that I'm hoping to make the new thing since Rob Lowe has made the, the logo oh, yeah, hat of a course, thing. Yeah. Of course. Like, that's my hope. Um, okay, so this game is interesting to me because in our office, okay, we have... I feel like we live in kind of a cocoon, a bubble. Steve Palazzolo is looking at us right now. This underdress. Here's the good thing: I never feel underdressed. That's the beautiful thing about That's confidence. Me. Um, in fact, I never want to be the overdressed person. I'm just, not overdressed. Just you. I'm I properly think. dressed. <laughs> and then I split the difference. I, as a, as a mathematician, I'm the average. All right, yeah, here yeah, we go. Absolutely. absolutely. Ba- back to the really important thing, which is Steve has this cocoon in Cincinnati that we live in. And the narratives there are always very, it feels like one-sided. And so yeah. I'm, I'm really curious to ask you, what, what are your big thoughts on what turns this game, what matters in this game on Sunday? Jeez. Um, I think that there's, you know, I, I found it actually kind of fascinating, the Trent Dilfer point um, yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw it, that basically in the Super Bowl, teams that are too quarterback-centric tend to lose. I thought that was I don't know if it was weird. I don't agree with it. He actually thought it was going to be a blowout for San Francisco. But I think that the ability for Kansas City, and this is something Danny Kelly and I talked about on the pod yesterday, I think Kansas City is way more than Patrick Mahomes. And I think that the narrative that he, it is just Patrick Mahomes is kind of yeah. strange. They do tend to feature guys like one at a time, like this is Tyreek Hill, this is Travis Kelsey, and I'd like to see them more, you know, um, maybe a little more diverse in how they do it. It's almost like when you go to like a big rock show, like a Metallica concert, and it's like, here comes Lars's drum solo. <laughs> yeah. The Chiefs kind of do that with their skill guys sometimes. But I think that they are more than Mahomes, and I think that the ability for them... System quarterback, system as quarterback. I've always said. And I think the ability for them to do that is really important. I think the Niners win this game really close. I think it's like 27-24, something like that. I mean, I think there's so many little edges in this game. I mean, you can go down just the just narrative street here, and there's probably 10 or 15 really fascinating matchups. And that's why it's hard to really pinpoint an exact X factor. This is what this game swings on. Things like Kittle versus Kelsey. Yep. Things like, you know, who, who would rather have the defensive back foot if they, they play different positions, you know, Teron Matthew or, or Richard Sherman. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are it, – it's all, they're all – there are players and coaches who are just a little bit different versions of themselves, almost like bizarre world kind yeah. of things. Andy Reid versus Kyle Shanahan. Um, you know, the offensive lines. It, it is the pass rush. You know, what, fr- literally Frank Clark or D Ford, which, which the Chiefs. Which one lines up yeah. off sides? Yeah, yeah which game? one lines up? I mean, the, the Chiefs <laughs> face that, that exact question. And so I think that's what's interesting to me is how many little different 
um, places that each team can get an edge in uh, across the board. I mean, this is really this is these are two amazing rosters, amazing coaching staffs, amazing front offices, and that's what I love about this game. Well, you brought up such a great point about you know the Chiefs kind of going through and making it a, a Sammy Watkins yeah. game and making it a Travis Kelsey game, and I think a lot of that is what the other team decides or like they chase yep. like the most you know recent thing. The the Titans took away the middle strip of the field, yep. and Kelsey was ineffective. And, you know, you saw Watkins play well. You know, the Houston took away the, the, the wide receivers, yeah. and then Kelsey plays well. The Niners are so, to your point, they have such a great roster that you wonder if they're going to be able to shoot the moon and take away, you know, kind of limit everybody there. And then, to your point, will the Chiefs be able to be balanced from a personnel perspective on who they give the ball to? I, I thought that was a great point. And, and it's really the ultimate test for 49ers defense has been the league's best this year. Well, I also think that, uh, to your point, Sammy, if Sammy Watkins – if, if the defense is giving you Sammy Watkins and yeah. Sammy Watkins plays like he did last week, that's really good for the Chiefs. Yeah, that, yeah. That's a hurdle. That I mean, I, I think that Sammy Watkins, I, I made this joke in the podcast yesterday, he's almost having like a J.D. Drew type thing where yeah, he yeah. was a bad contract, <laughs> but now he's having a nice postseason and he's going to be remembered fondly by Chiefs fans forever. That's a it's great a, comparison. And yeah. so I think that if yeah, he continues great. to play well, he's in the J.D. Drew zone. I mean, that's chasing some serious variance there. <laughs> like, Go, going with with Sammy Watkins as your hey, if the Chiefs are going to win, Sammy Watkins yeah, no, really needs to no, step I just, up. I just mean in the sense of of a deeper bench of skill players than yeah. than most teams have. What Sammy Watkins is 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 your bad player. You're doing okay. Yeah. What's interesting is the I agree. Like the whole it's just Mahomes thing is so yeah. weird because that offense is they're so balanced from a how many people they distribute yeah. the ball to perspective and how good. Andy Reid is that without a, I mean they have no running game which is yeah. beautiful like they throw the ball <laughs> all the time and yet they don't they're not slowed down because their passing game is so multifaceted yeah. right Mahomes is like the most accurate guy regardless yeah. of where he's throwing the ball he doesn't take sacks which is something that I think gets overlooked a little yeah. bit like he takes sacks half as often as Jimmy Garoppolo and in a, in a game that as you said a bunch of small edges like if I get the better quarterback who's more stable who in a close game i trust more to me it's hard to see the 49ers overcoming that when you look at the chiefs defense being improving not to a great group but a group last season that you won despite of and now you can win with and i think that that just as far as the chiefs don't have to they don't have to feel like they have to score every single possession you've seen that sort of like relaxation in that team once they sort of get their bearings in both of these playoff games they just have done nothing but score i think that really helps whereas if they went into this game on sunday with their defense from last year yeah. I, you would, we would be talking about how the Chiefs have to score every possession. It was one of those things where when at the end of last year, last February, everybody said, well, if the Chiefs' defense could just improve a little tiny bit, they'd win the Super Bowl. Well, they did, and they actually improved probably more than just yep. a little bit. And so I think that once that happened and once, you know, Brett Beach was talking about this in the locker room after the game on Sunday, but I don't think a lot of people were, were aware, maybe because it was Lamar Jackson Mania at the time, but in November when the defense started to play well, nobody cared. Mm-hmm. And, and this, was the, this was the scenario last spring that all of us had laid out for how the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. They're turning the defense around. Guys like Matthew are playing at a really high level. Um, I don't know. Um, Is it where uh, you guys would know better than me, but where is this Chiefs defense, you know, since maybe start of November uh, week eight, where is this in relation to to how the Niners have played all season? Because they've both kind of had kind of disjointed seasons from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, I mean, if you look from, like, week, it depends on the, if you look at their bye or you look after the Green Bay game, they've actually allowed fewer, like, yards per play, all the, you know, all the metrics than the Niners have. Now, the Niners played a better 
string of schedule. Like the Chiefs' schedule was difficult in the first half of the year, yeah. easier in the second half, and uh, vice versa. You know, uh, opposite for the Niners. But where it really came about was they made us a change and said we're not, we're no longer going to rely on our linebackers to cover yeah. running backs. You know, in the first ten ten weeks of the season, you know, their linebackers gave up like seven hundred fifty yards in coverage. It's been about half that since. And, you know, they're just putting safeties on running backs, and, you know, it's not killing them anymore. And it was something that was a systematic problem for them last year with Sutton and in the first half of the season with uh, Spagnuolo. Yeah, I think that it, it, it's really interesting. I think that he said, Veach said that the second Denver game, uh, mm-hmm. November 10th, and he said, that, he said that people thought, you know, Mahomes was banged up. He said they thought everybody outside the building thought that was the end of their season, and it was actually the beginning, which mm-hmm. I thought was an interesting way to put well, that. It, that helped. Mm-hmm. I thought that helped them. Yeah. So, like, we talked about whether is Mahomes better this year and is this Chiefs offense better this year than they were last year. And if you look at the totality of the season, you're like, no, because metrically they're not. But if you look at the moment, you're like, well, take everything into consideration. That injury probably helps him be where they are right now, which I think is better than they were last season. They're more consistent. He feels – it looks calmer to me. Like, he's just never worried, obviously, because they overcome a 24-point deficit. I do think, though, that the defensive thing – like, they played two AFC South teams. Right. I, like, I'm trying not to get too excited about... And they, they, they shut down, like, Mitchell Trubisky. And the, ba- the big one was they shut down Tom Brady, which ended up not being as impressive yes. as we thought it was at the time. Yeah, I mean, the, holding, the, holding the Minnesota offense to, you know, under 25 points was a big deal. Then the Packers game, they, they struggled with a couple big plays, but on a per-play basis, they've been pretty good, you know, in, ser- in terms of stopping successful plays. Yeah. So they, I, they have certainly improved. And to your point, which is, I think, a great one, you know, they, they beat Baltimore earlier in the year. They beat New England. But, you know, they had high-profile letdowns during the season. You know, Mahomes' injury was, on, uh, was in a uh, national television yeah. game. They lost to the Packers, you know, on, on Sunday Night Football. And so, like, everybody was swept up in the rest of the league that the Chiefs sort of, like, under our noses just completely improved on defense. And then Mahomes, you know, the last few weeks has been, you know, the best passer in the league. And it was just something that stuck up on all of us. Yep. I have a fun stat for you. So we know we grade players. I don't know if you've heard this. We I, like, you do what? We grade players on every play. And one of the things that's most stable and consistent for quarterback play is the rate at which they make negatively graded plays. So bad sacks, uncatchable passes, stuff like that. Mahomes is at 4% in the playoffs. The league average is 15. The leader this season was Drew Brees at 8 so like he's been tw- he's been twice as good at at limiting those bad wow. throws as Drew Brees, but at the same time you get the high variance of like yeah. well he can also throw it eighty yards downfield like on a string, um, which I which I think is kind of crazy. Okay, I have two more questions for you. Okay, you mentioned the um, the different battles in this game. You think that the Niners are going to win? So what's the battle that they're going to win the most decisively, or the one that's going to be the most important? Well, great question. Um, I think that I think that Richard Sherman and Nick Bosa are the third and fourth best players in this game, and I think that and we actually had this debate on the podcast yesterday about who the third best player in this game was mm-hmm. because you go with Mahomes first, then yeah. you go with Kittle, and then it's third and fourth. And I actually think that you look at the the the, the ability for the Niners to get home with four pass rushers. And, you know, they blitzed at the fourth lowest percentage um, mm-hmm. this year. And I think that every, every great quarterback, every time we hear the member with the Giants beat Brady, it's, well, you got the boy to beat Brady is get four-man rush on him. It's like, well, everyone's trying to do that, moron. Yeah. Like, this isn't a yeah. new phenomenon. But if they can get home with four, and I actually think they can. You, you said Mahomes doesn't take sacks, but he can, you know, he can, he can get pressured. I think there's going to be enough 
of a disruption in that offense to where they can maybe hold him to, to mid-20, something like that. I don't think you can shut down Mahomes, but I think it's something like 28-24, 28-27, something like that. What I hear you saying is that there's a, there's a world where Jimmy Garoppolo plays as well in his environment as Pat Mahomes plays in his environment. And that's music to. to my ears. He doesn't need to. He, there's this... Kyle Shanahan is a scheme lord, and he can do many different things here. That's what this is so fascinating. These are the two best play callers in football, and how they get their, their quarterbacks in position is going to be absolutely amazing. Ten seconds. Which one would you rather have, Kyle Shanahan or Andy Reid in one game? For one game, Andy Reid. For the next ten years, Kyle Shanahan. Is that ageism? Yes. Okay. That's the right <laughs> answer, though. Uh, last question is this. You can start a franchise with one player. Who is it, and why is it Derrick Henry? It is. It's, uh, it's between <laughs> Derrick Henry. I still believe in Le'Veon Bell okay. as one. Yeah, yeah, you know, you just gotta. You gotta, gotta give him, you gotta give him more of a chance. You have to. You one. have to be as patient as he is. Yeah, you have to. You have to see it coming. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, uh, Mostert would be would Ooh. be one of them. There's, you know, you can't like, find that speed is not something the, you can teach. The yeah. best part about running backs is you can literally never go wrong. Yeah, really. And I would also say when you talk about, you know, someone like Rashad Penny, who uh, I think, you know, first-round pick, at some point he's going to come do on that. Yes, that's so, a good point. Just I mean, any of those guys. It's kind of the Mount Rushmore of players you start a franchise Sony with. Michelle was the key. Sony Michelle was the key. So I don't know if you guys had this phenomenon, but every time I made fun of the Sony Michelle pick until about – mid-season this year, I'd have Patriots fans be like, can you explain why you said the Sony Michelle was a bad pick because we won the Super Bowl? I would have like, to be like, yeah. 10 the, I went on Simmons Pod and, and made fun of the Sony Michelle pick, which, by the way, was one pick ahead of Lamar Jackson, which yeah. no one talks about. Jury's still out. But um, but uh, people would be like, excuse me, can you explain why you said this? Okay. You're, giving no. p- you're giving people a lot of politeness because when people ask us about Mitch Trubisky, yeah. it's never that. It's, hey, ass clown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Sonny Michelle questions have stopped. I don't get those from Patriots fans Good. anymore. I'm happy to hear it. Kevin you, Clark. You will get Trubisky questions going forward, however. I, I'm looking forward to them. I live for this. It, it gives me uh, great hope. Um, you are going to be at the game. Yeah, I am. I have some breaking news. So will Eric and I. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. That's breaking news to me, it's by the way. It's breaking news for him. <laughs> Notice I- <laughs> so lifelong Chiefs fan, uh, yeah, we'll be at the game too, which is exciting. You must be excited. I, the best part about Sunday's game is either my favorite team wins or one of my best friend's favorite Sir team Kong. wins, so I, you cannot go wrong. Wow. And a lot on the line. That's, yeah. we, we, we haven't decided on a bet. Do you have any ideas what we should bet on this game? I don't, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it has to be something incredibly – Nuanced, yeah. Or we can just pick the game straight up. I mean, I'm only going to well, get a point. Boring. Yeah. That's a little boring. Yeah. I mean, find like find something. Find a, a very meaningful stat that you guys disagree on, and then figure out a way to. Okay, because because the fun part about being at the PF is both of us are pretty like we're hedging ourselves. Yeah. So like I'll always like try to like push it towards the Niners. He pushes it towards the Chiefs. So neither one of us can accuse the other of being a homer. Um, but so, like, it's it's good to get your independent opinion. You, so right now we have one in the Niners just, column. Just bet on Kittle versus Kelsey. Ooh. Oh, nice. Yeah. Let's do that. And the loser has to eat Skyline Chili. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> you ever had Skyline Chili? I have not. Don't, don't ever do it. I, when I go to Cincinnati for my training camp tour, everyone's like, got to go to Skyline. And then I just end up doing the same thing I always do, which is I, I get a coffee and go to sleep. Dude, it's, it's something. Kevin Clark, Slow News Day, Bring Around NFL Pod, A-list celebrities, <laughs> uh, suit and tie. Suit and tie. Thanks, brother. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. Kevin Clark's a cool dude, and he has a job that allows him to be like to give insight into kind of both worlds, right? Mm-hmm. He thinks analytically, thinks critically, but also is like very acutely aware of all the other 
kind we of were things going on. Talking about off air, how he has the freedom. I think to he has the freedom to have opinions that vary within his. Like for us, it's like we have different opinions, but more or less, we're working with the same information. Right. Um, whereas he has that freedom to sort of work in, in other, you know, it, it, within other uh, opinion spaces. So that's cool. It, it's sort of strange. You see all the media around here, right? And, and, and it's growing in some sense. But I do think, like, the, the space of actionable quality content in the NFL might actually be shrinking. Kevin, Kevin belongs in that, in that area, right? I agree. His video stuff's cool. Slow News Day is awesome. And then also the uh, Ringer NFL podcast. You know, check out both of those. Up next, we've got Sage Rosenfels, your buddy. You've hosted some radio mm-hmm. with Sage. Former Vikings quarterback. If you didn't know. Um, and he's actually going to detail uh, a few of the places that he played, which are a couple. But the cool stuff that we really talk about is what Shanahan does with that offense. Obviously, he's played for him. He talks about how it's changed. So it's a lot of fun, really insightful. Um, and that is coming up in one second before we get to Sage Rosenfels. I need to tell you about Thrive fantasy so come hashtag prop up with thrive fantasy for the big game it's simple this is how it works thrive fantasy is a daily sports fantasy sports app for player props they have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in a respective sport choose 10 out of the 20 players uh player prop options to build your lineup each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or the under based on the likelihood to occur the more points a selection is worth the riskier it is risk up the most points uh, risk rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has over twenty thousand dollars guaranteed for the big game between the 49ers and the Chiefs, and a five hundred dollar free roll. Use promo code PFF when you sign up today, and you will receive an instant match of up to twenty five dollars on your first deposit. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store, or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Sage Rosenfels coming up. So, you, you guys never I, saw Spaceballs? I deal, in, I deal enough with Eric's movie quotes. <laughs> That's it, unbelievable. Well, Spaceballs, come on. I mean, that's it's just good. sort of... I'm a walking wedding crashers quote machine. Ah, that one's pretty good. Because you're younger. I'm younger. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's, that's, the, that's the difference there. I like wedding crashers, but it's the old stuff, man. Wedding crashers, Step Brothers. Step Brothers is amazing. Is I've never one? seen Step Brothers. What? Yeah. Never we have to it. bring that up. Horrible Bosses is also are you a recording? machine. Yeah, I mean, we've started. Uh, oh, okay. we are. Yeah, oh. The fact that you've never seen Step Brothers is concerning to me. Really? Now I'm worried that I can't take anything you say seriously. Have you ever seen, like, <laughs> have you ever seen uh, Taxi Driver? No. <laughs> See, like that's... Ever seen Raging Bull? Yes. Ever seen The Deer Hunter? No. Nope. Yeah, we're just, we're just done. But I'm also not old, so... <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> uh, true. Yeah, so Sage Rosenfeld, former. Okay, let me let me think if I can. Uh, Redskins, Dolphins, Texans, Vikings, Giants. That would more be the, or less. That would be the five franchise fr- franchise I played for. I went to Iowa State. Okay, right? one scholarship offer. Okay, from a small town, multi sport athlete, and drafted by Washington, uh, fourth round, two thousand one. I was there for a year under Marty Schottenheimer. Brian Schottenheimer was my quarterbacks coach. Wow. After a year, Marty gets fired. We go 8-8. Eight eight. We go 0-5 oh to 8-8. Eight eight. Marty gets fired. Classic Dan Snyder move. <laughs> and you know, John Schneider was our like, quasi-GM. We had all uh, these guys who ended up being successful after, uh, you know, after that. Um, Pete Carmichael was our like, quality control, the, the longtime Saints quasi-offensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Spurrier comes in. It's me. Shane Matthews, Danny Warfel, and Patrick Ramsey is a first-round draft pick. So who do you think is the one that's not going to make the team, right? So luckily, I got out of that mess uh, of the Spurrier thing and got traded to Miami. I played well in the preseason, got traded to Miami, 
I'm there with you know, uh, 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 Dave Wanson's a head coach, but North Turner was my coordinator. Mike Shula was my quarterback's coach. Uh, then after, then next, you know, Mark Tressman came in when, when, when uh, Norv left and Shula left to Alabama. Um, and then they all got fired, and then Nick Saban got hired. And I, Jason Garrett was my quarterback's coach. Wow. Scott Linehan was my coordinator. I was a free agent after that, went to Houston, and that's where I played for Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur was quality control. That's when I feel like my life changed a little bit because I felt I really can play in this league. In that offense, I, I felt like the way they gave the quarterback some advantages, uh, the way they made the life, life sort of easier on a quarterback, the way that play-action bootleg stuff where you'd be out of the pocket, nobody around you. Like, a lot of people can make those throws. Mm-hmm. It's hard to make throws from within the pocket when Dwight Freeney's trying to, you know, yeah. sack you. So. I was there for three years. I, I was basically Schaub's backup. Worked a trade to Minnesota because I was hoping to start up in Minneapolis. Uh, it was just basically Tavares Jackson there. Well, I show up there. We're there training camp, but Favre shows up. Middle, middle training camp. So, well, so much for that. You know, I'm glad I moved my whole family up there. There for a year. That was the championship game. The, uh, the Saints, uh, 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 the Bounty Gate sort of season, yeah, yeah, Bounty Gate yeah. game. Yeah. And after I got traded the next year, so my third trade of my career to the Giants, because Jim Sorgi, I think, got hurt or something during tra- somebody got hurt during training camp, and so I'm up there for uh, backed up Eli for a year. So that was a great experience. And then the following year, sort of ended up as a Viking, uh, and and didn't make the team the next year after that, and, and retired in 2012. And now you do some media in Minnesota, and and uh, yeah, that's that's that that's a fun journey. So it's. The interesting thing you talk about Shanahan, because that's going to be the big thing about this game, is that you know you talk about how life on a life on a quarterback is difficult in the NFL, but Shanahan went out of his way to make quarterbacks better than they they were, right? And that's unique, like not unique necessarily, but not universal, right? So, so there's I think there's a difference. You know how people use the term um, he's an overachiever or she's an overachiever. Yeah. How about they maximize their talent? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what Kyle does. People consider it overachiever, but I think he just knows how to maximize their talent but while also minimizing not only your weaknesses, but offensive line weaknesses. And mm-hmm. if you ask any offensive lineman, the hardest thing to do is drop back pass. The thing they'd like to do most is, well, other than you know, hit the buffet, but anything like the most is come off the ball in a run play. Yep. Probably second most is to do some sort of bootleg of which that you don't, they don't have this huge responsibility. Uh, and then the play action stuff, screens, all these other things other than drop back pass because that is just the hardest thing to do because just the monsters on that defensive line and the way they're so good at rushing the, court, uh, rushing the passer now, uh, they, I think you tried, they, all those coaches try to minimize the actual drop back passes. Yeah. They don't want to throw 20 drop back passes in the game if they throw 30 passes. They would like to throw zero if possible. Uh, but they'll only sort of wait for the only you know for the times they sort of have to usually to actually just straight drop back. Well, it's interesting. Shanahan in his press con- or uh, his press conferences, but after the game in the locker room, talks about how they want to have this many runs, and that's always a facsimile to me. For we want to get up early and not have to try and score. Like we just want to dominate you physically so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, that's the game plan is right. to get up early and dominate you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's like, every, obviously. Game plan. <laughs> yeah. But the way they do that is they leverage the play-action game early. They do throw the ball early. And yeah. when they go downfield, they have remarkable success. They don't have to go downfield a ton, but when they do, when they take those shots you know, off of play-action or whatever yeah. it is, they've been really good at it because they, they have some receivers, a little more continuity. 
I'm curious. Well, the thing with play action and taking those shots is, and you know, we start talking about the drop back pass stuff. When you fake the ball to the running back and the offensive line and tight ends and fullbacks are making it look like a run, the defense has to play the run first. They all, you know, whether it's a run. They don't have to. They they do, though. But If they don't, Mm -hmm. you you see what happened uh, with with Green Bay. So, you know, everyone has some sort of gap defensively, whether it's a lineman on the line of scrimmage or a linebacker who's off, but they're responsible for some sort of gap. And as I'm reaching out on some sort of stretch play, if those guys aren't playing the run first – and then it is a run, and they got other gaps, it's going to be a big hitter. So everyone sort of plays the run for, you know, two seconds or whatever it is, and then there's this, you know, then you, you pull the ball and there's this big pocket that also allows time for the re- – so it sucks up the linebackers. If there's a safety down, it sucks up him too. So there's all this area, you know, from, from five yards down the line of scrimmage to, like, where the free safety is 20 yards deep. There's this big cavity in the defense, and there's big holes there. And that's why some of that play-action stuff is so good. It allows you time. It also allows time for the receivers to actually work deep down the field. You know, so it, 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 you know, the, the longer the quarterback holds on the ball, the deeper receivers can go. And what Shanahan has always loved having is super-fast wide receivers. Not all of them, but at least two of their you know, five that they might dress for a game. He wants guys that can really, really fly because the play-action stuff – if they don't cover it correctly, or the safeties are playing a little bit shallow, we'll just straight run past you. And you know, a lot of times, like when people say, "Well, the safety's deep," Kyle likes it when the safeties when when it's a receiver on a safety. Safeties aren't great; they don't play the football all that well. Yeah. Corners do. You know, safeties have to be a part of the run, all those things. So he likes the matchups when you get like a one-on-one on a safety. But the best way to do that, again, with that play action, with that bootleg stuff, now allows those receivers to get down the field. Now next, you know, they're five yards from the safety and they can go to a corner. They can go to a post. They sort of have all these options. And, and again, you know, Kyle, Sean McVay, I think Matt LaFleur does a good job too of designing deeper plays then because they, they know they'll have more time in the pocket. What, since you worked with Shanahan, how is his you know, because it just hasn't been the same system the whole time. Yeah. Oh, it's it's what advanced the, a lot. What is what are some of the biggest ways that you've seen it change and improve? They do a lot more gap schemes now, and and you know, for the casual listener out there, that's those are you know guards and tackles pulling, or maybe a fullback pulling around. So it's sort of a block down, and 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 people pulling around. You know, power schemes, counter schemes. Not it's not just outside zone. When I was in Houston with them, it was pretty much inside zone, outside zone, and whether a bootleg or play action off of that. And the reason that stuff is so successful because as the linemen are running down the line, they sort of create this wall. Mm-hmm. Well, the challenge with play action with the gap scheme stuff is a lot of times there's leakage. Now, yep. if there's leakage behind the play, it's totally fine. You have a D lineman up the field. We're good with that. It's, he's behind the play. But it's hard to get play action off of that stuff because everyone's blocking back and the angles right. aren't always good for an actual – they're not creating a wall per se. They're trying to cut the defense uh, with those double teams and things. So that's a big difference as far as the run game stuff. Obviously, all the you know shotgun jet sweep. You know, it's been ten years. That stuff is all what in the last seems like four or five, six yeah. years. That's sort of new. Um, but a lot of the basics you'll see are say, are still the same things of day one installation that I saw. Uh, you know, back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. So in the NFL, they they try to make this thing. They say it's a copycat league, right? And like people are going to try to come in. And you talk about McVay and talk about Lafleur and all those guys. But it, it's it's really hard, right? I mean, you look at the two teams in this game. The, to, the, the formula is have Patrick Mahomes, which is almost impossible, yep. right? Or to have a scheme. And we saw this with Shanahan when he left Atlanta. 
they t- Starkeesian took over, and he's like, I'm going to run the same offense. But like, on a, when the bullets are firing, you have to have the intuition about your own offense. Yeah. Right? You have to be able to call plays in a sequence that is like, you know, fairly repeatable. And so if, if you're a fan of a team that's not in the Super Bowl, and you're looking at these two teams, you're like, okay, what should my team do? Is repeating what the Niners have done, is that even a, a, a sound approach? Or is it? Or is it? You have to find your own thing, right? Because Kyle Shanahan has his own thing, and it works really well. But you know, aside from him, no one's really optimized it. You know, since Kubiak, you know, way back in the day. But you know, he's really the one person that can really do what he's doing. Yeah, you know, the thing with Kyle is, and you talk about the copycat uh, league thing is one. Everyone's copying somebody. Like, so who is that somebody? Who's the yeah. originator of mm-hmm. the whole thing? So that somebody must have been creative mm-hmm. to come up with some new scheme that people go, ooh, I like that play or I like that concept. The problem is a lot of other coaches, maybe not so creative, and you end up getting like the VHS copy of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right? you know, there's the DVD copy, then there's the yeah. VHS copy, right? Or the digital, the DVD. But the, but the VH copy, for those who don't know what VHS is, uh, it's, <laughs> I'm not usually, that young. it's usually a little blurrier, you know what I mean? Listen. So it's not, quite, it's not quite as detailed, right? So then teams will run a play that is the copy of another guy's play, another coach's play, but it just doesn't have the detail or they don't know when – like, why did they call that play? Yeah. What, were, what were they looking for? What was the reasons behind it? And Kyle is one of those guys that, one, can come up with the concepts that other people want to copy. But, two, when he copies somebody else's stuff, he sometimes will make it better and improve yes. it. He it's, will take the VHS and turn it into the digital copy and make it better. Uh, Eric and I both have, like, math teaching backgrounds, and I think this will resonate. When you're teaching someone something, if you ask them to just memorize it, like, hey, memorize this formula. Yes. You're never going to be able to use it well. Make them understand you got to understand the tenets of why this works, and then you can apply that in other places. And I, yeah. That, you, that hit the nail on the head for me. It's that, like, that's, that's exactly right. It's like, hey, I'm going to go try to pe- get an A on, I'm trying to get a, an A on this test, so I'll just memorize stuff. Yeah. But then once it's over, you're like, eh, I'm never going to need that stuff anymore. But right. the people that actually understand it, true understanding, I think Kyle understands football better than a lot of other coaches because I when he was young you know most coaches come up they're you know offensive quality control and then they work their way through you know they're the running backs coach or tight ends coach and they work their way to coordinate but they've been on offense the entire time Kyle was an offensive OC with Tampa but he would regularly sit in the defensive staff rooms now on that defense staff was Monty Kiffin yeah it was Mike Tomlin it was Gus Bradley uh, I think Joe Woods might have been on that staff too, but a lot of really good coaches. And so he would actually listen what, you know, my, um, Mike Tomlin's teaching the linebackers, like actual vision, actual steps, exactly what they're looking at. So, again, most offensive guys, you're looking at, okay, this is what they do. Right. To actually have, like, the insider knowledge, that gives you that advantage, and that's true understanding Rather than just go, well, it's cover two, and this is what they're supposed to know. Kyle's like, no, where are his eyes, and what is his first step based off of what we do? And Kyle got the deep understanding very, very early, and I think that's given him advantage over a lot of other coaches who, who haven't done that. And, and the, the, the run scheme thing is a perfect example because the Rams were so stubborn in, in running outside zone that you know that the teams figured out what to do against yeah. it, realized they didn't have a B move, and like it's over. Yeah, The Niners are the only team in the NFL, top five in – pulling blocker schemes and outside zone schemes and like it just that extra wrinkle and understanding of okay well teams are going to try and take this away what what's our counter like 
having multiple things you can throw at him is understanding the defensive side of it. Yeah, it's the second order understanding, right? Like a lot of people are like, okay, we're going to run this against this box counter, this against this front. Whereas Shanahan appears to not give a crap about what the front is or what the box count is, and he just creates angles post play, and that's why you know Green Bay like literally stacked the box against them and creates angles. He creates angles, right? And and that was. You know that's what won that. You know that's what won the run game the other day. Yeah. So what's interesting to me about like outside zone is when people describe like you know why is that so good or whatever. And you know it's interesting that San Fran has the lightest offensive line in the league. Minnesota, I believe, is number two. Yet they're two of the better running teams in the league. Like, oh, I thought you had to have this monster offensive line like the Larry Allen Dallas Cowboys of the '90s to have be a run. No, you don't have to do that. What the outside zone does, and for the best way for me to describe it to people is if you brought the receivers in next to the tight ends, you had two tight ends at the end of the line of scrimmage, you had two receivers, defensively, you would have to have somebody in every single gap. So somebody outside the receiver, somebody between the receiver and tight end, and you work your way all the way across the ball to the other side. There should be somebody in some sort of gap defensively that has that responsibility. All right, you've got the quarterback, who is basically the free safety, mm-hmm. and then you have the running back, who's, so, so the defense has one extra guy, yeah. okay? The, what the outside zone does is if you can get one of those players out of their gap, you get a center who reaches a guy who is, you know, say the center's blocking the guy to his right in that nose tackle. If you can get on the other side of him through some sort of double team or some sort of just really quick move, that's why they have the smaller guys. Now you have two D linemen next to each other in a sense, and you have a gap there. Yep. And it forces the defense to have basically have to cover down the line of scrimmage and run down the line of scrimmage because I got this gap, I got this gap, I got this gap. And if you can just get somebody out of their gap one time, it can be a home run. And, and especially with that, you know, sort of stretch, 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 boom, stick, stick your foot in yeah. the ground when and you have, shoot through the when hole. You have Raheem Mostert, who's actually a sprinter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like and, and, and in the in the in the NFC Championship game, that trap that they hit on that first yeah, third night. If you remember, you look back on it. Staley had this great little move that he did. But when the trap guy came around, he knocked the interior linebacker mm-hmm. out of the – and there was two guys on the outside. Right? So you have, if you have two defensive players next to each other, somebody's out of the gap. Yep, yep. And that's all you need when you They're have – They're both useless out there. When yeah. you have a missile yeah. like what, what the 49ers have. And, again, Kyle always liked guys with, with extreme speed over, like, the Latavius Murray mm-hmm. power backs. Oh, he, don't say yeah. that in front of Eric. Yeah, he, like, he likes the guys that can, the you know. Dave train. He the likes the guy. Train. If everyone does their job, it's not just a five-yard run. Yeah. It's, uh, it, you know, it's, it, oh, can, it can really. I mean, that's the other thing. that He has a run game that is as like a pass game as you'll find. Yep. Like, they try to hit big plays. Yeah. So I'm curious. We talked a lot about Kyle Shanahan, a lot about his brilliance. He's going against Andy Reid, who's brilliant. What do you think happens? I think this entire game relies on if the Kansas City Chiefs can stop the run. If they can stop the run fairly well, that puts San Francisco in a lot of third and medium, third and long situations. And that is where that really light offensive line struggles in straight pass protection. They just get pushed back. They just don't have the strength and the girth to take on really good pass rushers. And you, you know, if you watch a lot of 49ers tape all year, Garoppolo does have the sort of the pocket caving in on him a lot of times. Right. He has a great ability to throw with the pockets caving in on him. Yeah, the way he turns release. his shoulder, maybe the quickest release in the NFL. He can keep his right foot on the ground and, yep. r- and right there just sort of twist and, and, and throw a yep. pretty Twerk. accurate ball. And, uh, and Fires that glute. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, exactly. And so, but if, they, but if they can force San Francisco in those situations, I, I think you know, Garoppolo occasionally will throw the ball at the other team and struggle. 
it's going to be really interesting the, on the other side, that matchup between Mahomes and that, that crazy high-powered offense. I mean, to score 51 points in really three quarters something. Is, is insane. Yeah. And it's not like against like the worst team in the league. Like, you know, playoff uh, uh, of football, to do that is just insane. But then San Francisco with this great defense. And to lead the league in, in pass defense, at a, I think it was 169 yards a game, you win 13 games – Usually, when you're up in a lot of games, yeah, you, teams are throwing. You yeah. give up yards. You know, yeah, usually that stat is misleading. It's misleading because like, of that that situation. That's exactly right. Yeah, we're up ten in the fourth quarter. Eh, you know, we'll play a little cover two. We'll play a little soft. Keep them on yeah. front of them. We'll give them an easy. You know, the quarterback throws for 100 yards in the fourth quarter. They don't do that. They like just keep the the, the pedal to the metal. So, but you know, the way that D line, uh, you know, that D line for for the, for the 49ers is as good as you'll see in this league. And I've always thought with Andy Reid, of course, he has a sort of a young Michael Jordan type of guy at quarterback. But one of the reasons his quarterbacks have been successful more often than not over these years is great O-line coaching. And that's Andy Reid. It's, yeah, you know, he's, he's got this great offensive mind. Well, you give anybody a really good offensive line, which I think Andy does, does a great job of scouting and, 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 and developing and obviously schematic-wise it gives the quarterback a great advantage to to be successful, and True. so that matchup too with the O line, uh, the two O line, uh, the O line for Kansas City and the D line for for the Forty ers that should be fun to watch too. It really is. I, I you know we've all been to watch a lot of Super Bowls and a lot of games. This matchup really it's is awesome. super awesome to talk I, I about can't in, wait. in so many ways. Man. You know, uh, the Forty ers I think are the better team, but uh, the Chiefs have you know Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know what I mean? They they have the the guy who is you know I, I've never seen anything like what Pat Mahomes is doing. I, I've watching this game a long time. I'm 41 years old. I saw a lot of great players. I grew up in Montana, then Steve Young and Marino, and I played behind Favre, and he was amazing. What Pat Mahomes is doing, I, I've never seen anything like it. I'm with you. Should be fun, man. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate great you to meet me. you. Yes, I'm glad Eric brought you, brought you over to the dark side here. Yeah. All righty, that was fun couple of good, good interviews uh we do have a cool interview coming up in the future that we also recorded this week um and hopefully a couple more that we're going to record today yeah, yeah. got my fingers crossed here for uh, a guest that would be pretty wonderful so um we have i think there are probably two safe to say there are two really awesome interviews that are coming up uh, in the future on the forecast which will be fun but we're not even at the big game yet we're not even the big game can you imagine if they had both played two games? One was called the Super Bowl, and the other was called the Big Game. What would the, what would the Big Game be? Like the same. Like we got to see the Super Bowl twice. Oh, they just played two. Yeah. Like how would you decide who truly? Well, was, so was the champion. So now in the Arena Football League this year, that's how they played the championship. They, the the playoff games were basically like a two headed series, and you you added up the points. Oh, so, so like soccer. Like, there was all this like game theory stuff associated with. How cool would that be? How they do that in soccer where they do. You know, it's like cumulative goals, and yep. an away goal is worth more than a home goal. That would be interesting. It would be cool to have. See, the great thing about the Super Bowl is that you can pick the location. Yeah. It's like going on vacation, right? right? If you if you had to play one of these games in Kansas City, yeah, not, no, nothing against Kansas City. No, but it's cold, and it's and, cold. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to accommodate well, that many people. The and power and light district can only hold so many people. There's a specialness to this atmosphere that you would have trouble, like actually getting across what's interesting to me about this week is that we have heard many many people talk about why they like the 49ers in this game it's basically a pick them at this point right one one and a half was that did that surprise you or is that kind of what you were expecting 
I would say when I saw that the line was pick them early, I I did the unload a little bit on Kansas City because I thought that um, you know like the Chiefs would probably be more like a field goal favorite. That's exactly what we said on the pod, two and a half. And so there is a lot of support for San Francisco. And you know, with with our worldview being that quarterback matters the most, we might be under selling how good San Francisco's roster is. We, our, our colleague Ben Lindsay wrote an article about the top 53 players in the Super Bowl, and our other colleague Moo pointed out that in the top 10, both teams have five, but in the 10s and 20s, the Niners dominate sort of, mm-hmm. they're a deeper team. And so we, you know, we might be a little bit too new school in our thinking with respect to it's Mahomes, and then the rest of the roster for the Niners has to catch up to that. Maybe maybe we could be think maybe the rest of the market's thinking well Mahomes has to catch up to the twenty two guys in the Niners and I I do think that that's an interesting sort of contrast. Well, don't you think there's also the two weeks off? I think is a really interesting. What it does to the rest of your roster is interesting. So your players, if all the players are healthy, then you really are getting you know the you're getting the maximum out of each of these players you can't really increase their talent in two weeks Mm -hmm. but you can certainly increase their health and so when you look at how good are these players you expect to get the maximum out of them so i think in most games we can overlook a lot of that because there's this war of attrition and you don't really know how healthy everyone is right so it's like so the quarterback does just rise up to the top yeah the quarterback just all of a sudden elevates in importance and in this game you also have this huge amount of variance and like i just don't know whose chess move is going to work yeah because both offenses and defense are going to be trying stuff luckily we are getting health for both teams it would be a shame right if if we had there have been super bowls where some team comes in banged up i mean what other than Juan thornhill i'm thinking about the niners um their center weston richburg like there are a couple starters that are on ir but like you look at the practice reports and all the niners are at least limitedly participating in practice and the chiefs had no one with an injury designation this week so we're going to get the best of the best year uh it's going to be great and i agree with your point like when 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 stuff sort of like you know, that, and that's how the Patriots have done it forever. Like when stuff sucks injury-wise, the quarterback is really like the the true sort of like thing that, that is the most stable. But we're going to get stable things from the Niners. They're great in the secondary. They're great up front. Uh, the linebackers, are, like you know, we're really going to get a gr- truly great matchup between the 49ers uh, and the Chiefs. The question then becomes, how does that translate to the betting? Right? How mm. how do we see this game? Uh, and if you listen to our podcast from Monday, we talk about this different game states. What, which, which one do you think plays out the most after, after a week of basically saying the same thing to people on radio for, <laughs> for endless interviews? I, I really do believe in Andy Reid's ability to have 15 plays mm-hmm. that he scripts out that are going to work. And the more I think about, Sam made a great point this morning, which was I think they put Tyreek Hill on Richard Sherman's side. And they either say, hey, you're going to have to run with Tyreek Hill up and down the field and evacuate space that we're going to take advantage of or we're going to hit Tyreek Hill because you're trying yeah. to you know get too cute and so I, I think that in instead of starting slow the Chiefs start kind of fast but I think the Niners stick with them and the Niners passing game to me is the big x factor I told mm-hmm. everyone this all week I really do believe in the Niners passing game the fact that they are so they're so reliant on quick short throws that to me are like it's really hard for jimmy g to evacuate himself on the field and that's such a situation so yeah yeah it's like all he has to do is complete these you know five ten yard throws down the field it's not 
it's not a massive undertaking, and then they're going to scheme yards after the catch. And and the Chiefs defense is nothing. It, there's nothing that scares me. So, with the so it's hard. It's hard in this in this setting, right? Because we're over like we're we've been analyzing this game down to the bone, right? And when we say like the Chiefs defense is nothing to be to to write home about, we're not saying they suck, right? They're a far better defense than they were last year, but but and the, and the bar for them is is lower, right? The Chiefs just need to get a couple stops defensively, mm-hmm. and so. To me, that's the tough part for the Niners. Like you, that's the thing where I think if you're a Niners fan, you get a little worried because the 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 Niners are going to have to score probably as much as they scored against the Saints in order to make this game a close game. And we know that they can, right? We know that that's a, a possibility for them. You think they need to get over forty? I think I think if you're an, uh, so, I think if you're both if a fan of either team. And you think about a comfortable win. I think a comfortable win for either team involves forty points. Okay, I mean comfortable is like I hope it's not a comfortable yeah, yeah, win yeah, for either team. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean I think that both. I think the Niners have to be thinking thirty. Yeah, but do you? So we wrote up our, our spread picks column this morning. When I I ha, I drew the short straw and took the under fifty four and a half, and I said the game state where this happens is probably Kansas City blowout, right? Mm-hmm. Because I. Because if if the Niners get up on the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs will have a decent yes. enough time scoring. Whereas there there is that situation where the Niners can't score. So like for me, like if the Niners win this game, I do think like it's got to be in that like thirty eight, thirty one, thirty eight, thirty five, forty one, thirty eight sort of score. And and I'm again, I'm I'm bullish on it being able to happen. I'm just saying that like. I, I do think that that's where they have to reach for, and and conversely for the Chiefs' defense, then you're saying okay, get a couple for, get a couple early down stops, right, mm-hmm. and force Jimmy G to throw on third and long, and then hopefully he goes sixty percent on those or fifty yeah. percent on those, and then you can force a couple punts and so put the ball back in Mahomes' hands. The most important segment of the game to me is the Niners' early downs. Yes, the Niners' early downs, second down and long they need to be able to throw the ball and throw the ball efficiently and if they can do that then this is going to be a close game down to the wire and and not a blowout in which case the over even at 54 54 and a half i'm not taking the under so what number do you have to take to take what number do you have to end up getting to take the under in this game because i agree with you like i've been i've been betting over most numbers other than the top one which is 54 and a half thinking to myself if this game got to 56 i could sort of get off of it right but i don't even think 56 is a number that i think is my minimum amount to bet an under here's the thing it's not a bet the under to me it's a just not bet yeah so i I would still take the i would still bet the over if i had to and at one i would still take the chiefs um but i've been swayed a little bit uh by some of the by some of the very smart smart people people that we've talked to so it should be good chris for what it's worth thanks the niners when we watched Chris play in the '88 Super Bowl last night, uh, uh, that was a was lot. Of, that was a lot of fun because the game—it just took you so far back, right? Yeah. That how the game was played back then. All right, let's do some props. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the props that we liked um, previously, okay. and that involved the Niners' offense, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, thinking about what you—you you said this really well. Thinking about what props can win regardless of how the outcome happens Mm -hmm. right so if you're looking at the spread or the total and you're like okay well i'm not going to take the spread on either side Mm -hmm. but regardless of who wins what what might i expect to happen more than the market might and 
to me, that's the Niners passing game because everyone assumes it's all about the running because Jimmy G threw, you know, eight passes last week or two weeks ago. Yep. Um, which is your favorite of those? Uh, well, I, I like, I mean, to me, it's the, the Jimmy G one is as clean as it gets, right? Because if you bet like Sanders, if you bet Sanders over, for example, I think that's a good bet. Mm-hmm. But there's a ton of situations where the Absolutely. Niners still do yep. what we think and it doesn't happen. Um, Samuel as well. I think we wrote up both of those, uh, you know, last week, Thursday. Um, it, but to me, the cleanest thing is, is going to be, you know, Jimmy G completions, Jimmy G yards. We have Jimmy G with 24.2 completions. Right, his current market number is anywhere from nineteen and a half to twenty and a half, so that's a pretty solid one. And again, that probably wins, no matter what happens mm-hmm. in the game, other than like a, a, an injury to Jimmy G or a complete and utter dominant blowout by San Francisco 49ers, In which case, not only do they take the foot off the gas, but they successfully do so. Right, because right? Right. there there could be a situation where they try to go into prevent offense, the Chiefs come back, and then they have to come back and throw much like Tennessee did last week. I just don't think there's any way that the Niners can. We have them at 260. We have Jimmy G at 268.2 yards, which again, his number has been anywhere from 239 and a half all the way up to something like 250, 256. So that's a buy. Um, the thing, the thing with the Niners is that if they ever start running the ball, then like that means they're blowing the Chiefs out by so much. You know, because mm-hmm. they're up 24, they can't just start running the ball to salt it away. They just can't afford to do that. Um, on the other side of the ball, actually, before we get to the other side of the ball, I should mention that uh, if you want to like have some fun with props, play daily fantasy props. It's pretty cool. Go check it out. It's on uh, Thrive Fantasy, and you can go to their website. Um, here's a quick, easy one for you. It's bit.ly slash Thrive PFF, and that'll get you set up right away, and then you can go play daily fantasy with props. It's pretty sweet. Um, on the Chiefs' side, the, the one thing that I think is really apparent about the Chiefs is that they're just going—they're going to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. So I don't—I don't really know how. How do you take advantage of that from a props perspective, other than to say, well, what are they not going to do? They're not going to run. Yeah, and, and the thing—and the thing is, so like, I mean, actually, if you look at our numbers, we kind of like the Kelsey over here uh, for you know the reasons I think you look at the cover three, right? The way in which they travel with slot receivers mm-hmm. and, and what Kelsey's able to do sort of in that crossing zone. We, we're basically on market with Tyree Kill, but where I think it's interesting is the secondary receivers for the Chiefs. Um, when you look at Demarcus Robinson, for example, he his snap count has decreased over the course uh, of the season. Uh, we got his number at 22 and a half last, uh, you know, last week. Um, I see it somewhere in the teens, but somewhere it's even, it's still at that number. So you know you can even get a middle there. But like you look at like a guy like Mecole Hardman, I think he's going to be a big factor in this game. Um, and it, so if you can get him, you know, sort of propped in the teens or early, you know, late, you know, early twenties for receiving yards. I mean, that's basically going to be one catch I think for him. Um, and and uh, you know, he's I think a far better option than if you try to chase what Sammy Watkins did uh, last week and, and against Houston. I don't hate. You know, Tyreek Hill, it's tough because you just don't know what they're going to do with him. Michael Hardman, I think it's safe to say, is not going to get the most attention from the Niners. Mm-hmm. So I, I do like that one quite a bit. What do you, what's your take on, we talked about this on the morning show, what the Emmanuel Mosley, I think, is like a classic mark in this game. Uh, he's played well all season. Like, I think he's a great story. I mean, he's just certainly, he's, he's not Richard Sherman. Yeah, he's certainly better than Akello so. Witherspoon. But, like, I think he's being a little bit overrated at this point, And I think the Chiefs target him. And, and he's going to be, I, honestly, I think one of the most important players in this game. I, I could not uh, agree more. 
couple other props. One semi-serious, one really not that serious. Semi-serious one is total number of players to attempt a pass in this game. Safe to say Jimmy G will, despite what some people may think. Uh, and Pat Mahomes certainly will. So the number is two and a half. Uh, over or under? I, I, really, I think with the plus price, you have to go with over. It's plus 124 on FanDuel. You, like, you look at this, the Chiefs have not thrown a pass by a non-quarterback this year other than a botched uh, PAT or extra uh, field goal attempt against Tennessee. But again, like it's just one of those. Like that doesn't mean they're not going to do it, right? And and, yeah. and especially, you know, we haven't seen Tyree Kill carries, right? And yeah. and that doesn't mean we're not going to do it, right? And and that kind of thing. So I, I think from the Chiefs side, there's a better than you know market chance that they do it. But then the 49ers in big games, they had Emmanuel Sanders throw a touchdown pass against the Saints. They had Dante Pettis throw a pass early in the season. Um, and then of course there's the issue, like, and again, we don't want to we don't want to ever wish this, but both players have have. Have had knee injuries at times. Stop. In the last few games. I'm cutting you off there. So don't you don't you put that <laughs> pox on this game. Yeah. Emmanuel Sanders is throwing a pass in this game. There you go. Uh, Gatorade color. Red. Okay. Blue. Red sucks. No one drinks red Gatorade. Yes, but but red. Red will be left to My dump God. on the no. on the coach because Who? it sucks. They're not going to actually have Gatorade that sucks on the super, at the Super Bowl. Well, they don't know like. No, that's the thing. Like the, the providers don't know it sucks. The players do, though. All right. So it'll be we'll provided, see. but it'll be left Blue. over and hence Blue. dumped. Blue. All right. That's it. Enjo- hope you enjoyed the uh, interviews. We'll be back next week. We will not be back with our normal Sunday night because there's there's nothing to do Sunday night besides enjoy whoever won mm-hmm. party. We'll be down in South Beach, so you probably don't want to hear us talk anyways. Peace out. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm, mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. ba 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 I participate in McDonald's.